0: In about 150 AD, the Egyptian astronomer, mathematician and geographer of Greek descent living in Alexandria, named Claudius Ptolemaeus, created an astronomical treatise that was unprecedented in size and scope. It would represent the apex of Greco-Roman wisdom on the subject. It would shape and determine the way we still gaze up into the stars today.
1: So, I mean, he was basically the first person to create a definitive catalogue of stars. So he was working in Alexandria um, in Egypt, which at that time was at the sort of the centre of astronomy. And he he he, just, he basically accumulated all well by that stage Grecian knowledge on the subject. He used um, a lot the workings of Hipparchus an earlier um, philosopher and astronomer. Um, and he he created this couple of 48 constellations, which are. Still all exist and are the basis of the 88 constellations today so this is a hugely impressive the tone of scholarship that was the Bible the Bible of uh, constellations essentially.
0: This is Bookmark. I'm Uma Paganampake Pagan, and that was Susanna Hislop. I came across her book, Stories in the Stars, an atlas of constellations purely by chance. I was browsing the shelves on space science and astronomy and happened upon her wonderful hardback, beautifully illustrated by Hannah Waldron, in which she retells the stories and myths behind the constellations.
1: Yes. Hello, my name is Susanna Hislop, and I'm a writer, theatre maker and performer.
0: Susanna where did this book come from?
1: Um, well I was having a conversation with um, Sarah Rigby who is the editor of Hutchinson Penguin in the UK and we just were talking about she had had this idea in fact for a book about the constellations and that she kind of really wanted to do it in a different way than just sort of recounting the myths that were behind them and she really wanted to find somebody who'd be interested in playing with the narratives and making up some of their own and she had read some of my writing and liked the way that I kind of played with fact and fiction and played with the story and so she asked me if I'd be interested and then we sort of pitched the book together and it went from there.
0: So talk to me about your fascination with the constellations. I'm, I'm assuming you've been fascinated well before someone pitched this idea to you.
1: Yeah well I suppose I've it, for me, it's all about story. So um, I've been fascinated for a long time by ancient myths and legends and their kind of connection with story today and the way we see the world today. And I studied classics and I teach Latin. So these stories, the sort of ancient mythical stories are, are very much kind of part of my bones. Um, so I suppose, I knew those myths, but I didn't know I was what for me was exciting was to learn much more about how all the other 88 constellations kind of, well, all the other ones that aren't the 48 original Greek myths sort of came into being. And for me, that was a real journey of discovery. That was the very exciting thing.
0: I've got the book in front of me. It's absolutely beautiful. And. It's it's interesting because I didn't know what to expect picking up the book. I I enjoy space, I enjoy constellations. I enjoy those original stories, but I think I've been bored to death by those original stories and yet in your book you've got you've got conversations, you've got I think it's for Hydra, I believe. I think it's yeah. a, it's a great scripted piece, isn't it? Yeah,
1: that's a kind of uh, a <laughs> script of uh of a hercules movie i didn't in fact know that a hercules movie did come out in the year i wrote the book so it's not meant to be a parody it was just something i thought of but yeah i have lots of diff- exactly different genres
0: you've got telegrams as well
1: i've got telegrams um which was really fun i enjoyed doing that i've got a crossword and um i mean i was kind of trying to play for me it was just very fun to be playful about all the different ways in which i could tell stories um and also having to write 88 stories you know, kind of get bored of just writing them as a plain narrative. Although I sort of kept trying to think of more far-fetched ways to tell them and shooting myself in the foot. For example, I did limericks, a set of limericks, which are terrible and very badly written. (laughs) Um, And kind of uh, realised that if you sort of stretch yourself and write lots of different forms, um, you can tie yourself in knots. But it was, I suppose, just a desire to, like you're saying, do something more playful than um, just the ancient myths being retold as they have been many many times before and I suppose for me as well the way in which people have talked about the constellations over thousands of years um has always been a way of sort of imprinting their identity or the the sort of cultural identity on the sky and sort of it's always been an articulation of a particular um historical time or set of people or their beliefs and so I feel like They're sort of up for grabs, and that's what was enjoyable for me. They're up for grabs now for us to tell our own stories about them as much as they have ancient stories attached to them.
0: Which is precisely what you do because you actually contemporize, if that's actually a word, a lot of the stories.
1: Yeah, and so, and I I kind of either made old myths sort of new, or I wrote some completely made up stories, or, you know, found, wrote some sort of, in a way, short stories, modern short stories.
0: Exactly, yeah. So science, science, astronomy, constellations, they can be quite intimidating. Tell me how these stories are, tell me why these stories are such a perfect medium for sparking interest.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's really interesting. In my introduction, I talk a lot about this kind of division between science and art and um, something that, particularly in England, the, the sort of school system is very much divided. So I talk about this in my introduction, I was very much on the art side and you know, a friend of mine always used to argue us on the science side, and there was very little way of sort of crossing between them. But for me, um, stories were the sort of key for me to understand, understand, start to understand some of the science behind the stars, and start to get, you know, really very interested in um, astronomy in a way I never had really been before. Um, and I suppose that's the function they've always served, really, is people told stories to kind of explain the movement of the stars across the sky to explain their concepts of astronomy. Um but I suppose for me now having spent so much time thinking about the stories, now when I look at the sky, you know, ev- every time we're in in the big sky and we're thinking to my husband, look, look, you know, there's that one, there's this one, oh look, and you know, here's what's happening and here's the story. And once you've attached stories to something, suddenly you can make some more sense of the science behind them.
0: Tell me about that argument. Tell me about that argument with your friend about which was better, art or science. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, Who won that argument?
1: I talked about this in the introduction, but we used to walk to school every day um, together and just have this kind of incredibly silly argument about which was best. And uh, no one ever won it at school. And we both stubbornly kind of, you know, stuck our heels in. But I think she probably has won because she is now an incredible doctor who sort of travels the world, works for MS, medicine Sans frontier, and in the UK in the NHS, and has kind of treated, spent a year treating, um, you know, non-drug-resistant tuberculosis. So I think she may have won the award. <laughs> but, um
0: I don't know about that. Your book's made it 8,000 miles all the way out to Kuala Lumpur. I,
1: well, that's very exciting. Um, I hope it can... Uh, at least give people pleasure if not cure them of tuberculosis. But um, (laughs) I think hopefully the point I'm trying to make is that it's a silly argument and what's so so wonderful about the constellation myths is that they're this wonderful marriage of astronomy and story and something that's really, something I really enjoyed when researching, you know, the myths of lots of different cultures was how many times similar themes or ideas would appear or characters in the same constellation but across very different cultures who would have had no way of knowing of the existence of the other cultures myths. And that that's very interesting, the sort of way in which humans interpret narratively um, you know, astronomical science basically and the and the way you see patterns coming up in that in those interpretations.
0: Do you have a favorite constellation? Oh
1: um, I know someone mean, always asks me this.
0: I'm so glad you don't have an answer at your fingertips. You know,
1: I know, because I feel like (laughs) you should have an answer. I mean, I suppose there's a cheap answer, which is that some are really much, much easier to spot, you know, because you have Orion or you have, um, obviously, um, Ursa Major, which has the big different, you know, they're so easy to spot. So every time you see those, you kind of, they're the kind of placing marks in the sky. Um, but, so there's a kind of familiarity, like old, old friends, you know, and you can sort of see very easily um I suppose I suppose one of the things I really enjoyed was discovering constellations I'd never heard of that were you know invented in the eighteenth century by um strange and slightly mad scientists, or you know so there's a whole string of constellations named after astronomical instruments, and they don't have any myths or constellations attached to them which is one of the reasons I had to make up lots of stories to kind of explain them, so I really enjoyed learning about that or learning about some of the characters in a way involved in the constellations um so hevelius's wife um she was this uh young uh, young girl who married this much older man um and sort of helped him in his astronomical workings i really enjoyed finding out about her and her story
0: these stories these stories they are they are thousands of years old what do you think what do you think they say about us what do you think they tell us about humanity
1: Um, I feel that they tell us that we, we like to claim things and name things and own things. Um, you know, we, there's a kind of childlike pleasure and curiosity of spotting things and recognizing them. But then I think they also speak of a slightly darker human desire to control and dominate. Um, and particularly in the fact that, you know, the way, the, the way the Western myths have are the sort of official myths and it's through Western eyes that we still, we still even scientifically see the stars. Um, so it was very interesting for me to try and unpack that and try and look at other ways of other cultures and other narratives, you know, Ch- Chinese astronomy, which I don't talk about that much in the book because it's a completely different system, um, you know, operates in entirely different ways, much less narrative, um really fascinating about, uh, what that says about the culture and the way they define themselves. Um, but yeah, I think it's, we have a deep need to to make a claim or explain, well, it's an obvious point, but claim or explain the universe above us and the uncontrollable. And, you know, the, the stars are, are both awesome and beautiful, but also clearly dictate there's some relationship in the patterns of our our weather and our seas and our animals and they dictate our existence, and I think, of course, the stories speak of the need to understand that and the need to make sense of that.
0: We do. I used to name all sorts of things when I was a kid. I swear to God, I was so heartbroken when I found when I found out they already had names.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm very interested in naming in general. I was uh, very interested in um, kind of 18th century philosophy about w- why, what it means to name something, and the importance of that. I think we forget that. Um, It's also very interesting how people's names, apparently, with reading some research, people's names can have a massive effect on their identity and there are kind of trends in names and what effect that might have on their life, which is slightly worrying.
0: Why, in our need to explain the universe, why are you, or why are all of us, so fascinated with the night sky?
2: Um,
1: I suppose it Completely vast and mysterious, you know. Feels incredibly. It's unre. It's unreachable. I mean, we may have reached it now. Some some very lucky people in, you know, spaceships. But even so, it feels unreachable and um uncontainable. And in fact, the more we know about it, the less containable it seems. Um, and I think there's a kind of, uh, beautiful tension there. You know, we like we're attracted to that, like we we're sort of it's endlessly we're endlessly yearning to reach it but we'll never be able to. I think it's partly that. Um and also partly because of the use. You know, the stars do tell us where we are and tell us what time of year it is and they you know, there's this one wonderful kind of theatre of the stars of the constellations moving through the sky over the course of a year. And um, so, you know, they, they we navigate by them. Animals navigate by them. Um they, they help determine us as well as being um, so mysterious
0: That was author Susanna Hislop Go find her book, Stories in the Stars An Atlas of Constellations Seriously, it's truly something to behold. This has been Bookmark on BFM
2: 89.9 The light was leaving in the west It was blue The children's light sang skipping just like the stones they through the voices echoed across the waves it's getting late and it was just another night with the sunset and the moon rising. not so far behind Give us just enough light to lay down underneath the stars Listen to Papa's translations of the stories across the sky Drew our own constellations West winds often last too long But when they calm down Nothing ever feels the same Sheltered under the Kermani tree Waiting for the back Singing rain Clouds keep moving to uncover the sea Stars above us Chasing the day away To find the stories that we sometimes need Listen close enough all else fades, fades away And it was just another night With a sunset and a moonrise, Not so far behind To give us just enough light To lay down underneath the stars Listen to all the translations of the stories across the sky We drew our own constellations